0: hypersensitivity is hypersensitivity it doesn't matter what they throw on it what diagnosis you know what the traits are or whatever if you have it you have it right so then we don't dismiss those kids out there without the dang diagnosis because that's that that's that happens most often that bothers me the most
1: hello and welcome to the women and adhd podcast I'm your host, Katie Weber. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45 and it completely turned my world upside down. I've been looking back at so much of my life, school, jobs, my relationships all of it with this new lens, and it has been nothing short of overwhelming. I quickly discovered I was not the only woman to have this experience, and now I interview other women who, like me, discovered in adulthood they have ADHD and are finally feeling like they understand who they are and how to best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. The following is a review on the Apple Podcast platform from someone called Slightly Askew. It's entitled, life-changing for the misdiagnosed. I have spent 15 years attempting to navigate my life through the lens of an improper diagnosis. My quirks, way of thinking, and disinterest for things that most people find tolerable brought on so much shame that I was hospitalized for a mental breakdown over a decade ago. Finding and listening to Katie a year after I was diagnosed with ADHD was like someone grabbing me by the face and saying, I see you and I am right there with you. Thank you for building the awareness, community, and conversation around late diagnosed women, especially representing us mothers. Thank you. Wow, feedback like this just stops me in my tracks. I am beyond grateful that this is happening for other women i've said before in some of my interviews that i started this podcast as an excuse to reach out to other women who were diagnosed in adulthood to find out if their experiences were similar to mine it was a mostly selfish endeavor i'll admit and it's been amazingly healing for me to meet these other women but damn it just blows me away every time i think about the fact that these interviews are helping so many other women who have stumbled upon this podcast however you got here women who have lived your lives struggling misdiagnosed, feeling alone and never being able to put your finger on what exactly was quote unquote wrong with you. And now this diagnosis is connecting all the dots and you're finally feeling like you're getting some answers. So thank you to each and every one of you who have taken the time and the effort to leave a review. They make me so happy and they help other women like you find this podcast and these interviews and feel less alone. Okay, I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is my 50th episode. And to help me celebrate this milestone, I couldn't think of a better interview subject than the incredible Lafea Mitchell. Lafea is a licensed therapist with more than 20 years of experience working closely with families overwhelmed with socially, emotionally, and or behaviorally challenged children and offering them effective strategies to heal those relationships. She's also the author of the Lafea Way book series for parents of hypersensitive children. And you can find out all about the incredible work she's doing at her website, lafeaway.com. In this interview, we talk about her philosophy on neurodivergence, as well as her journey to understand and work with her own hypersensitivity and the accommodations she uses for herself and her daughter and the positive approaches she recommends for families. Enjoy! I guess we'll get started So you know, this podcast started with me really wanting to find other women who were diagnosed in adulthood with ADHD, but I had so many different guests who came to their ADHD. A lot of women came to it through their children. A lot of them myself, I, I was, you know, gently nudged by my therapist for years that I might have it and <laughs> before I really looked into it. Um, but uh, when, when we spoke, I wasn't even sure. I know you've worked with families a lot, but I wasn't even sure if you had ever been formally diagnosed or what your journey was. So, But I know that you have sort of come to neurodiversity through your child, right? Your daughter?
0: Uh, through my daughter, but then um, also my own experiences. So the experiences that I had with her were because of how I am. So I knew how to treat her. And have her kind of excel, uh, you know, a little more than maybe she would have with a different parent because of my own sensitivities, you know, and my own way of being like, I don't like eye contact and I don't like sounds and, you know, certain things like that. So, but she was as an infant, you know, she was like times 1000, you know, for everything. I don't know how I was as an infant, but I had parents who who didn't allow for, you know, much Um, other than my dad said, yes, you were a very strange child. (laughs) It's it's how my dad described it. He said, you were always different. And I was like, well, yeah, I know. And, um, but yeah, so that, it's just me. She has a lot of traits that are like mine. And so never formally diagnosed. It's more, I'm a therapist. And I'm like, the reason that I even was attracted to psychology in the first place is because I was learning all about me. So, you know, how I was moving along. So I was like, oh, oh oh, this is interesting, you know, this <laughs> helped me. And then after a while, I think I just became really good at what I did because to me, everything I did felt like common sense. So to me, it was like, well, if a person has a struggle here, then this is what you do. Like, you're always looking for the solution and how to relate in a way that's going to bring out the best in another person. That's just kind of like naturally how uh, I function.
1: Yeah, I know that's something I talk about with my guests too because my experience since my diagnosis I was just diagnosed last year so it hasn't been that long but I think for me the biggest shift has been rather than immediately thinking what's wrong with me I'm lazy or I'm crazy or I'm stupid or like all of the ways in which we just immediately think that we are the wrong we are the wrong element in the room you know it's changing that self-talk and really kind of saying okay I, this I'm reaching a barrier. So how do I then, you know, what do I do? What do I need to change in my environment? That's going to help me, you know, as opposed to always immediately just sort of shutting down. That's been such, I feel like in some ways really dealing with this diagnosis, dealing with neurodivergence at all is really, yeah. About the fact that there's no shame. There's no guilt. There's just like, okay, this is how I am different. I I need different um accommodations and and like when you say it out loud it feels so obvious like why wouldn't i have thought that my whole life but i think like so many of us this diagnosis is such a revelation because we weren't thinking that ever like we were always thinking oh god what is wrong with me that i can't do x y and z so i don't think it's very common at all if that you would grow up thinking you know i have this barrier and you know, maybe for, maybe for a lot of people it is, but I think one thing with ADHD that so many of us have in common when we're diagnosed in adulthood is feeling like we were the problem all along.
0: You know, that's what I went through throughout my 20s and a big portion of my 30s. And a certain, like in my 30s, I made a decision that I was really, really, really at the end of being miserable you know, all of the time. And so then after that point, I had to try to start to figure it out. Now, just to kind of give some background so that, you know, people are not like, oh, she's, you know, just some poser or whatever, right? Um, when I would become overwhelmed, okay, my primary go-to would be to cover my eyes. And usually it'd be like, I almost shrink into this little hellish little world and I would close my eyes and kind of bend over tell by the body that I was just close trying to shut everything I possibly could out and even though people uh, most of the time it's interesting because they'll tell me oh we wouldn't think that at all right um, about you there's a lot that I go through so this I, I carry with me a high level of anxiety this is all the time. Um, this is everyday. This is um I'm I'm overwhelmed by most things, but I just understand that I'm overwhelmed by most things so I keep moving anyway. Mm-hmm. But that's been that's been my journey. Like even just today, like today is one of those days where I'm just kind of holding and it also it depends cuz I'm very sensitive so what I expose myself to to So that actually makes a big difference for me anyway, because I kind of take in everything, you know, kind of the things around me. And so if I'm around like more, a a good amount of, you know, anxiety from other people and that kind of thing, then I'll just kind of be holding it sometimes, right? It's very interesting because for me, like in the work that I do, the people that I work with, you know, depressed, anxious, you know, all those kind of things. And it's interesting because when I'm at work, when I have to be on, then it's almost like I have this, like, because it's the space and place that I'm supposed to do that. It's like, I have this like barrier and I'm able to kind of hold everything in that, like in space that's just outside of me. Right. And so it makes everything okay. But then it also gives me the ability to like, what I feel like, what I call like, it kind of gives me like the superpower to to actually do the healing thing i'm i'm feeling like okay you know how you need a little bit of the and i don't mean to call it a virus but you need a little bit of the whatever the negative thing is in order to create the healing you know the healing piece i feel like i'm able to kind of soak that in hold it create the like vaccine or whatever and then then inject it back so in the form of the healing substance
1: oh my god i love that analogy that's great (laughs) It's really weird, right? No, it makes sense that anyone who would go into psychotherapy probably has a, you know, is fascinated by their own brain and probably has some of their own issues to work out, right? Yes. (laughs) We do what we need most, right? Um, So how um i'm always fascinated by you know women who i interview who have done you know so much academically right and so i'm because for me I had a dismal academic career. I made it, I graduated by, with my bachelor's like by the skin of my teeth that I've always kind of held that, you know, taken that with me. Um, and now I look back thanks to with this new lens and I'm just like, oh, all of these ways in which my ADHD did not serve me in school. But how did you how did you feel like it, um, you know, looking back at your academic performance and and your advanced degrees, like how do you feel like you succeeded with a, with um, a neurodivergence.
0: I feel like it was just, it, I have kind of a, a weird, my history is kind of weird. Okay. So I have like this extreme, like to an excess. Um, it's like a, a push to, to, you know, try to be at, be successful. Like there's, there's something behind it. And it's based in my history because I kind of came up and just, it was a high degree of poverty really not much you know just kind of hungry sometimes and homeless sometimes and you know those kind of things so what I think what it kind of stimulated in me and this doesn't happen for everyone but for me personally I'm consistently trying to push past whatever's going on with me to make sure that I'm able to and I think it's almost like a survival thing for me you know I, I don't ever want like for my kids to be hungry or I don't ever want. So then it just kind of gives me this, it's a its a weird push, even if I have to push through it in tears and, you know, and craziness. And because a lot of it wasn't craziness. This is like trying to write papers, you know, and soaking the papers in tears because, you know, it's just, you know, it's just hard to stay, you know, keep that focus and those kind of things. So I don't know. I feel like it's like a weird combination of, I want to make sure that I get, I stay as far away from what I experienced in my history as possible. And I was a teen uh, teen mom, so I've had my my son has been. He's twenty nine now. huh' oh, so old, but, uh,
1: but you don't even um, look twenty nine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Thank you. <laughs> I'm super excited about meeting like He just left, and um, but I have my um. Yeah, he's 29, and I would say that he was, like, my my motivation for almost everything. Because when I looked at him, I decided that he would not grow up anything like I had. Mm-hmm. So, like, it gave me a different kind of push.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that is a topic I talk. we talk about a lot, um, or I talk about a lot with my guests in terms of just, like, feeling like you have a lot to prove, right? And feeling like, you know, very competitive and also feeling like there's a lot of that additional pressure to really kind of um, show show that you belong in the room. And so as a woman, I experience that. As a Black woman, you have the additional, I you know, sense that there, you know, you're always trying to, you, you always come up against that, basically. You always have that sense of like, I have to prove myself to these people who are going to judge me you know, before I've even opened my mouth. Right. And so I'm
0: I'd... so excited that you brought that up. I, you know, I, am cause you know, that could be, that could be kind of tough to talk about sometimes too, but yeah, it is. Cause you know, as a woman, they, there are certain assumptions that are made about us as women. And as a black woman, there are certain extra assumptions that are made.
1: <laughs> exactly. You know? and yeah, um, yeah. And so to, you know, I, and that's what I love about the ADHD community and the neurodivergent community is I feel like there's some of the wisest voices, um, in this community that I've found are coming from black women because of that, that unique experience. Right. And it's so wonderful because they're, you know, it's just lovely to be in a space, um, where the conversation is being led by black women, as opposed to every other space where white men won't shut up. <laughs> and, um, so I do like, I, it is a topic I love to, to bring up and, and, I hope, you know, I never know if I'm stepping on toes or whatever, but I'm just like, it nope, fascinates maybe. <laughs> <laughs> because it is like, it's, you know, it's that idea that... um you know, so many of us had to experience that, like the pressure to behave, and you know, like why boys are boys are diagnosed and girls aren't well, because girls are are have to keep quiet and have to behave and have to be liked and all of those things that like I relate to as a woman and then it's just amplified when you're a woman of color. Absolutely, so oh, it just, I just you know it hurts I my spent, brain when I think about it.
0: I spent I spent my my you know childhood, teenagehood, you know all that portion, even in my twenties very, very misunderstood, very angry, you know, because mm. I really didn't understand it. I didn't understand quite a few things. Uh, my sister was like this, you know, really calm, um, <laughs> you know, very liked, you know, person that got along with you know, everybody. And, you know, I was at the other end of that where I was the one that, that nobody liked and that everybody was kind of afraid of. And that was too... To honest and I think rude, considered rude most of the time. And I think still now I tend towards being very honest and people don't always like that. So I don't know how I get away with it. I get away with a lot as a therapist. And I think it's maybe because I'm so effective, but I really tell people the truth. And I'm like, I am not doing you a favor if I don't tell you the truth. And that's just kind of how I exist. So if you don't like the truth, I'm the wrong person for you.
1: <laughs> I, I had a I had a very similar experience. Uh, just in terms of like, I, I have lost count of how many times I've been dismissed by white men as just like a, the angry feminist, right? You know, oh, you're just angry, and so. Um, it's, it's as though that is a reason to dismiss you, right? Where it's like, I have an opinion and I'm expressing my opinion. And so to be dismissed because you're angry. I mean, I think that's something we deal with a lot um, in our, in our society, in our culture. Um, and, and I totally lost my train of thought. Oh, I, but I think it's like, I don't, I can't be any other way. So it's sort of, I feel like, I feel like there's some solace in the fact that like, I can't, I have no filter. I you know, like, even if I wanted to kind of be quieter and be in line, I can't even do it anyway. So yeah, I've taken your approach too, which is like, you know, I'm not for everyone. <laughs> Move Someone along. Told me, somebody told me
0: yesterday, um, you tell way too much through your eyes. You need to tell your eyes to be quiet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, you know what? my eyes can't help
1: (laughs) it that's (laughs) a new one I like that one the
0: reaction is what it is yes you know sometimes it's just like I'm just looking at people like oh my goodness what you're saying is not like for me especially if it's like not solution-based and they're like in a in a space where we're supposed to be trying to help you know with progress Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just like oh my goodness can we move into some discussion that's actually going to be helpful (laughs)
1: That's funny. I have the worst poker face when it comes to that. And, you know, and, and I think I've often, as I try to, as I try to figure out if I'm an extrovert or an introvert, because I really related to what you were talking about, about being on stage, right? Like you really can like find your zone and be on in the moment. Um, And I've always loved that. I've always loved theater and I've always loved kind of public speaking for that reason. Um, And so part of me feels like, well, maybe I am an extrovert, but then there are other times where I'm like, no, I, I need a lot of alone time. I'm really an introvert. And I also like, I... I can't like, if I don't like somebody, it is so obvious in my face that I don't like you. And so often I will like avoid people, you know, I will avoid those situations. Some of my in-laws, for instance, like I get really nervous and I get a lot of anxiety when I'm going to be around them because I just know, like, I'm like, my face must show you how Uh, unhappy I am right now. Like, I cannot pretend to like people. Um, And I'm so I'm like, that has to be an ADHD. (laughs) We must have terrible poker faces.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think so. Now, poker faces, that's funny, because like, like, I'm, I'm weird. So like, in real life, right? Real life, I can't hide anything, right? But if I'm playing a role, if I have, if I'm like, in a role, and I have to play that role, I can do that. Like, when I have to be on, like, it could be I could just finish just full on crying or whatever and come right on the camera and on. It's mm. so weird and yeah. in with clients and because I struggle with depression, so you know sometimes it's just I don't want to do anything, you know. So then driving to the office, I'm like I don't want to listen to people talk, <laughs> and, and so I'm crying on the way. And then I get there and it's, but it's weird because it's like and I feel like it's like a part of my gifting allows room for me to be able to like really operate in that gift when I'm kind of called on to do it, you know? So if I were just sitting at home, maybe I'm not feeling the greatest, but if I'm out there and I'm out there and I'm sharing a message, then, then it's fine. Like in that moment, it really, it's like, it's like really fine. It's weird. The separation that I have, I
1: think. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's interesting too, because it- I mean, so many of us relate to and talk about masking, right? And this idea that like we come across as being very together and being very accomplished. And yeah, here you are, you're talking about struggling with depression, but you're also this incredibly, you know, powerful speaker and you've written all these books and like, you know, to the untrained eye, you are very, very (laughs) successful. And so then, and so I think a lot of us have that, like, you know, it, it can be very isolating. It can be very lonely when we realize that like the true version of us is so different from what other people are seeing and um and then you know I also find it crazy that people will say like oh you can't possibly have ADHD because you do so well
0: (laughs) oh my goodness people like all all my clients they just know me like I man my brain like as far as holding things it, it just doesn't operate you know in that way I can open, I can say, oh, I'm going to do this thing right here. Pick up my phone, open it. I will completely forget what it was I opened my phone for, so much so that now my husband just, he just, he knows I'm going to do it. So before he didn't believe me, he's like, are, are you are you serious? You know, are you okay, right? <laughs> and, then, and I explained to him, you know, these are my challenges, so, you know, don't be surprised." I have, i a whole, and I always tell people I'm a gumbo of stuff. So, <laughs> so I got food issues over here, you know, some stuff so, of so, so, faith and trauma over here, and, you know. <laughs> and so just so you know, I even gave him, seriously, I gave him a three by five card when I realized we were going to be close. I gave him a three by five card, like explaining what my different pieces look like. <laughs> you know, this and this is what this looks like. And this is what you do on the other side. Oh, and um, that's he, kept brilliant. It, yeah, he kept it free. He, I didn't know, like I almost cried. He showed 10 years, 10 years after I gave this card to him, he still had it in his wallet and he would still come back and refer to it. And That's he so showed romantic. me He, said, he <laughs> said, you told me, I said, cause I'm, I'm like, I'm so proud of you for being able to deal with <laughs> you know a person like me because I know I'm not easy. Right. And he's like, you told me how. And I was like, You know, what are you talking about? He said, you gave me a card. You gave me like an information card or, right? Like a little guide on you, right?
1: Oh my goodness.
0: And I was like, what? And first of all, I didn't remember doing it. That's the bad part. But it was in my handwriting. But when I saw that and I was like, um, how long ago? did it? he said, he said, when we first got together and I was like, this was so smart. (laughs) smart And and he's like, yeah, it's helped me out with you for years. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Okay. That is so smart. I always tell the story about my, my husband who I've been with for 20 years now. Um, and is the most amazing partner but when we first started dating and I knew that I really loved him I tried to break up with him because I was like he's going to he's going to discover what a hot mess I am eventually and then it's going to be so heartbreaking when he dumps me that I'm going to dump him first and you know and I and I did it on his birthday it was like we were out for a birthday brunch and I handed him this long sappy letter that I wrote about you know how it's time for us to part it said oh my god I don't even and I'm sure he's probably kept that letter too. Uh, but he read it and very like sweetly read it and then looked at me and he was like, don't be ridiculous. We're not We're not breaking up. And I was like, oh, oh." oh he wouldn't let me. And I was like, thank you. Like now in 20 years later, I'm like, God, I'm so glad you you didn't let me and that you saw through that. But it just speaks to that sense of, right? That sense of like, nobody knows that, like eventually you're going to find out what a hot mess I am. So if only I had thought about the index card, that's brilliant. <laughs> So wait, you were nodding. Did you try to also do the same thing? Did you try to break I up with did, your? I did.
0: I did. I was like, "You're too normal. Like, this is not going to be okay for you." I'm just. I'm trying to warn you ahead of time. <laughs> and it was funny. Now he's he was different though because he had come from a history of a couple of really like bad, sad breakups. He's a super sweetheart. Um, bad breakup. So when I actually told him, um i this is like really scary to me it's not you right it's not you it's me mm-hmm. you know that whole talk. Yeah. and you just don't understand right he was so baffled he was looking at me like what are you talking about and then I'm like you know what it's for the best and right and i drove off and he was so upset with me and as i'm driving off i'm calling my sister and calling my best friend and saying this is what i did I'm like girl are you crazy Go find him <laughs> Go find him now, right? And you know, I'm like, <laughs> like, this is the first time we've ever seen you happy. What, are you allergic to being happy? And I'm like, oh. Yeah, kind <laughs> of. <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe. You know, and so, <laughs> and so um, I went back and when I found him, I had to I had to do some, a little bit of work because he was like, and then he just looked at me he's like, you know, we promised not to do this. You know, we promised to stay friends. If we were, if we decided that this whole dating thing didn't work out, we were friends for like three years before, you know, we started to date. He said, we made a deal and you broke that deal. And I was like, oh. I was just really scared. You just don't understand. I don't feel like it makes sense for you to want to be with me, right? And he, um, and he just, he explained, he said, okay. He said, so next time, just talk to me about it. You know? <laughs> you're know, you having these very weird thoughts just talk to me because i'm very sensitive and you know i can't you know i can't handle just the random you know, breakup. so i was like okay
1: that sounds like a it sounds like a showtime movie <laughs> yeah, sounds like a romantic is, movie it is,
0: our whole life uh, our, our, our whole our whole life is, is a big showtime a <laughs> uh, uh, lifetime
1: it's lifetime yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So now, so let's talk about the Lafayette way and kind of how you started and the incredible work that you're doing. You work, you work with people of all ages, or do you work mostly with children's or parents or?
0: You no, know, I always fancy myself liking to, liking to work with like teenagers. And then what ended up happening is in the work that I do, because I just am a perfectionist, I think, and I have to like be thorough and address the areas that matter. I had to work with the entire unit. So <laughs> when I had to work with the entire unit, that meant the younger kids, the siblings, the older kids, the older adults, or young adults, siblings, the parents, the grandparents, teachers, right? So I ended up uh, working with all ages very successfully because I really just use a, a tangible approach. Like I want you to be able to leave from from my presence with with real tools things that are that are actually going to work for mm-hmm. our hypersensitive kids so my focus has always been on the kids like like this is how you treat this is how you treat our kids with you know whatever it is ADHD autism it does we're we're, we're I'm in the realm of hypersensitivity now where they, where everybody where you know no matter what it is is going on where they dwell right and this is how you keep from making and not to not a blaming kind of thing, but making things worse for a person who's already experiencing challenges, right? This is how you do
1: it. My son is going into fifth grade and he has not been formally diagnosed with ADHD. I'm pretty sure he, I mean, he has it. <laughs> I know he has it, but I also am like really struggling. My husband and I are talking you know, constantly about whether or not to get him diagnosed and whether that will be helpful uh, or whether we can help him at home organically. Because like I, you know, through learning so much about what the structures that we need and what works and what doesn't work, I find it often a lot easier to advocate by just labeling what he needs for his teacher, as opposed to saying, my son has ADHD, right? So like, for instance, he needs to sit at the front of the classroom. Um, if he sits at the back of the classroom, he gets distracted and he often gets a lot of anxiety if other kids are talking to him cause he's worried he's going to get in trouble. And, and so instead of saying, you know, my son needs to sit at the front of the classroom because he has ADHD. I just explain kind of why he, the logic, like you were saying, the logic behind his needs. And I feel like that's so much easier, um, to advocate that way but I also don't know if it's, if I'm shooting myself in the foot by not, you know, having this diagnosis yet, we're kind of taking it day by day with him. I'm not sure. So um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I love the fact that you are working with, everybody in the picture. Because I think sometimes when you just, sh- when you just talk about the the label or the diagnosis and not what it entails, you kind of, you have no idea what that person is hearing, right? Like I have, when I say I have ADHD, I have no idea what people think I'm saying. They, some people think, you know, when I came out and said I had ADHD, when I had this diagnosis, there were some people who were <laughs> saying like, I'm so sorry. Like I had told them I had terminal illness, right? <laughs> and I'm like, why are you telling me you're sorry? This is not, this is a miracle that i'm learning all of this right but it's just telling me how little you understand about what what this is
0: i feel like i i do strongly and i have strong opinions so everybody forgive me but i i I do strongly dislike kind of the dehumanizing effect that sometimes labels will have like it's as opposed to now you're dealing with another human being who like other human beings have challenges in certain areas right you know there's there's just more clearly defined and fit into this little, you know, this box here of ADHD or this box of right now, even that, those do not even fit neatly, but whatever, Mm -hmm. they have enough of those things in the box, right. To meet the criterion for the diagnosis. But yeah, what ends up happening is a lot of misunderstanding. Um, And just, I I wanted to speak to, um, because you were kind of just wondering if it was working against, you know, maybe working against, you know, what your goals are for your son, to not have them formally diagnosed yet. I would say this, given your focus on dealing with what the issues are, you have that problem-solving focus, I think that it may or may not become necessary for the diagnosis. The diagnosis is necessary when what? When you need to medicate. Um, The diagnosis is necessary when you need to get formal accommodations through the schools, through IEP 504s. If you're able to get those results that you need, without the other things because medications do what they take kind of uh, people don't get mad at me okay uh medications take the edge off of the strength of what your challenges are okay they take the edge off and some people will say it takes even more of the edge off right when we're dealing with psychosis and stuff then okay please take your medication right but when you're dealing with other things outside of that that aren't as severe then remember you're just taking the edge off there's no magic it's not a magic wand it's not going to automatically you know, make you completely and totally, you know, one great way that you, some perfect, you know, like I said, grass greener on the other side kind of experience. It's not going to happen that way. It's just going to help you so that you're able to use the tools that you need to make things happen. But if you're able to use the tools that you need to make the things happen, then your end is to get to the results, right? So like for my daughter, now people, it, it doesn't really, you know, for me, kind of doesn't really matter to me what people think, you know. And so, so so for my for my daughter in particular, I know a lot of things about her sensitivities. I know that she was born as an infant with an aversion to eye contact, um noises, voices, things like that, right? So the all those things that get in the way of being able to properly bond, right? And, or being held close even. All those things that get in the way Of properly bonding with other people, I understood her challenges, so I worked with her in a different way. I didn't personalize it. This is where my philosophy ended up coming from: is is just my own experiences with her. Is I didn't personalize it. I understood, like, oh baby, you don't want people all the ugly faces looking at you in your face. I understand completely, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so, and so, and so, it was just almost like turning her out and not allowing other people to judge her for these things. But then we work with her on them. If she does has an aversion to eye contact, then we turn her away for a time when she starts to, tar, starts to cringe, turn away from time, let her regulate and bring her back slowly little periods of time. Now you have to spend a long time doing this back out and then in right until she can stay longer and longer. Then she can stay with me, you know, and, and then when it came time for the noises and that kind of thing, when she got old enough, I gave her a way to verbalize, a way to respond where she's like, I don't like that noise. Instead of the grab or squeeze and scream bloody murder. Right. Uh, she learned to, I don't like that noise. She's still, she's seven. She'll be 17. Oh my goodness. I think next week, the 17th in two weeks, whatever uh, she'll be 17. She's my youngest. Uh, she'll be 17. And I didn't find out until two years ago when I was writing a blog, that she still hates the sound of flushing toilets, that she'll flush and run like she does. She just comes like trying to get really long for thank goodness, and she'll be trying to get out of the bathroom before, right? And she still has these, and I know she has sensory sensitivities, but now she deals with them in an entirely different way. Had she gone through her life being judged for those, they would create more anxiety for her, more more uh, lack of ability to function in ways that she could, because this, and this is the thing, most of the time, it's not that that the kids, you know, adults, whatever can't get there. It's that there's a there's something, there's a gap between the ability and them. And people can see that they there's ability. Like, I know you have this ability. And so then they judge them for not being activated, you know, within, like being able to use that ability without understanding that you have to create you have to build the bridge first, right? And don't be upset because you have to build the bridge, just understand there's a gap so that you can help build the dang bridge. <laughs>
1: right yeah I mean right I I I think there's so many instances in in which children are behaving in ways that are you know considered inappropriate by the adult right and so the adults their reaction is what are you doing stop it you know what's wrong with you you know as opposed to trying to understand the the, what is happening and it's just you know it's so upsetting to think about how that you know just gets beaten into kids over and over and over again when they are just really trying to protect themselves you know like um what I I deal with a lot of or uh, work with children and teenagers as well with eating, you know, and I often tell parents like, Um, you know, binge eating from children is a way that they're self-soothing, right? And so it always comes from a way of helping themselves. And like, so you really need to, rather than think like how this is a terrible behavior and we need to stop it, really trying to say like, they're taking care of themselves in the best way that they know how. So let's just take a moment to be grateful for the fact that they are taking care of themselves, (laughs) right? And so like really trying to like come at it from a different point of view. And so I think, yeah, it's so important when we're I didn't even realize how hypersensitive I was, how much, how many sensory issues there are with this neurodivergence that I had just sort of never thought about until I thought, yeah, wait a minute, you're right. I can't brush my teeth and keep my eyes open at the same time. Or, you know, like things like that, where I was like, yeah, you're right. There's all of these just noises that really bother me or motherhood. I mean, n- newborn babies, like everything about having newborns was just like sensory overload and Mystery nightmare. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, and I, you know, whenever I, whenever I talk to a mom with a young child, I just want to give her a hug because I'm like, oh, it was the worst. And I <laughs> love being a mom, but it was just really, yeah. The, it it's fascinating to me all of the um, sensory issues that I had kind of never really acknowledged until looking back through this new lens.
0: And you know, with the Lafayette way that's that's like one of my one of the things that I'm trying so hard. bring out for everyone that's why i didn't want to get pigeonholed in any one particular little area i don't want all the rest you know sensitivity is sensitivity hypersensitivity is hypersensitivity it doesn't matter what they throw on it what diagnoses, you know what the traits are or whatever if you have it you have it right so then we don't dismiss those kids out there without the dang diagnosis because that's that that's that happens most often. That bothers me the most are the kids that can, especially our, our little girls, our females, can function at that what looks like that higher level, right? Because there are certain girls are different. Like we desire to be, we desire to be like, like we're innately made to want to be close to nurture, right? That kind of thing. And so, and so for the girls, most of the time things are so very hitting, and so all the sensitivities are just kind of like down underneath and they have to hide them, right? Which leads to a lot more binge eating and a lot more things like self-harming behaviors and, you know, and things like that. But but it's, what I want everybody to understand is there's some things that are like, are very similar, crossover, the same-ish, whatever, when you're dealing with hypersensitivity. And that sixth sense, or that I always talk about, which is probably inaccurate, but I don't care, um, where I'm talking about like that, that, Emotion soaking piece that unintentional sponging of the feeling energies of other people that one right there that's so widely so usually missed that oftentimes people will get acting out behaviors from your hypersensitive person because of the way they it's just the way that they present to the hypersensitive person so the hypersensitive person is like drawing all of this negative energy from you and you don't realize it even though and especially no and I'm sorry this I shouldn't say especially, this tends to be a hidden thing when you're dealing with people who would fancy themselves to be calmer. So on the outside, they speak quietly, they speak calmly, they do all of that. But internally, they are the most anxious thing you could meet, right? <laughs> and so for hypersensitive people then and this is why when you don't like people you don't like people by the way i have to learn this about myself when i don't like you i don't like you and bring <laughs> to me things that i don't want inside of me so i don't want to be around you <laughs> and so but then you'll get this dynamic of this emotion soaking piece that it disrupts the ability to respond in non-anxious ways for your hypersensitive sponging person right so that's such a big piece that, the seriously, Lefeuille, that's what I find myself primarily addressing, is how to decrease that negative effect on the hypersensitive person.
1: I want to take a minute to let you know about the new Women and ADHD online community. One thing I hear time and time again from listeners of this podcast is wow, these interviews make me feel so much less alone. And I totally agree. I believe finding our people and sharing our lived experiences is such an integral part of successfully managing our ADHD. So I've put together this online community for listeners of the podcast, where we can come together in a safe, intimate environment and make friends and obsessively ponder our neurodivergent brains with other brilliant, like-minded women. And we never have to apologize for simply being ourselves. With your membership, you also have access to all sorts of exclusive content, like early access to this podcast, written transcripts of the episodes, and a free copy of my audiobook, Worth It, A Journey to Food and Body Freedom. You also have the option to upgrade at any time in order to participate in regular body doubling sessions and live member hangouts on zoom with me and other members where we discuss life with our ADHD brains. So head over to women in to join us or find the link in the show notes. All right. I hope to see you there soon. Now I, the more I learn about, uh, various neurodiversities, uh, the more I think about, all of us kind of having this neurotype and we're all kind of on the same side of the room, right? So I'm like, sometimes I'll read articles about autism and I'm like, yeah, I think I should really look into that, (laughs) you know? And, um, you know, and I think like so many of us have various like symptoms of this neurodiversity and you know ocd or hypersensitivity but like we're all it's almost like we're randomly given diagnoses like some of us are kind of given the adhd diagnosis and some of us are given autism asperger's is another one where it's like i don't i feel like it's being phased out because it's you know really just autism but like i sort of feel like um at the end of the day it's almost pretty arbitrary what we're diagnosed with it's just a matter of like we're all sort of have this neurotype and we're all kind of on the same team so to speak right and it just has manifested itself in different ways based on our childhood and based on whatever traumas we've experienced
0: exactly now and this is my thing see when you it almost it almost sounds fringe Cringe worthy if I were super stuck on words like I used to be, but I'm not super stuck on a little bit stuck down. Um, but when you say symptoms, that word is so frustrating because now that automatically sets people's minds to think that there's some kind of disorder, right? Yeah. Instead of just a right, a different order, right? We're just, you know, just made different, we function, we'll be perfectly fine if you would just let us learn how to be the best us we could be and not expect for us to be you, right? It's so frustrating. And that's why I super focused on, I want for everybody out there to start to use the word traits.
1: Yes, Let's thank just you. use
0: traits. Traits, it keeps us from being so sick, right? This is not a you know, we're not. We don't have diabetes, right? <laughs> you know, right? just symptoms. You know, these are these are traits, and and you're. That's why I just. I don't. I tell people, nope, never been formally diagnosed because I see myself in anything hypersensitive, OCD. Yep, check. ADHD, check. <laughs> check, right? right. You know, PTSD check right <laughs> well,
1: And this is why I, I get so frustrated when I hear women who have sought an ADHD diagnosis with a medical professional and they're told, no, it's not ADHD. It's just depression and anxiety. And, you know, I think any medical professional who is not willing to see the causal relationship between a life undiagnosed and depression and anxiety, like depression and anxiety, those aren't, those are symptoms of an an undiagnosed life. Like those are are not medical, um, you know, uh, those aren't medical diagnoses on themselves. Like they... I don't know. Anyway, don't, I'm tongue-tied, but you know what I'm you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like it come just frustrates from, they come me. From
0: something else from the experiences, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. um And so the fact that somebody would say it can't be ADHD, it's got to be you know it's trauma or it's depression, and anxiety, without seeing how fully connected all of this is of like you know an, a, the accumulation of an entire life of feeling like you 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 know like you were a square peg in a round hole and and all of that feelings that we've grown up with um um so i i feel like what would you say to somebody who gets who feels like they um you know so many of us Like I was worried when I went to the doctor to get my diagnosis because I felt like when I started looking into ADHD, I felt seen and understood for the first time in my life, you know, and I had been diagnosed with depression and anxiety and PPD and PPA and I'd been on all sorts of different SSRIs and medications like for my whole adult life. And never really felt like anything fit, you know, and I and the, never felt like the medication worked because I but I also had that fear where I was like, well, if this is what I'm like on medication, imagine how bad I'll be off the medication. And so I never wanted to go off of it. Um, but, you know, I was so afraid that the doctor was going to say, no, this isn't it, because I felt like this really was something I that, you know, I felt so validated by all of the literature and everything I had heard and seen. And I feel like, you know, and thankfully it went really well for me (laughs) the minute, you know, I walked in the room with all my paperwork and everything. And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. You had me at hello. (laughs) There was no problem. But so many of us, I think are afraid of, you know, being, being dismissed by our medical professionals. So like what, And so as a result, I often will say, like you did, like I think self-diagnosis is the most important thing. I don't think we need, I mean, unless you really want, you know, unless you want to go for medication or you feel like in some way you will feel fundamentally validated by getting this diagnosis, I don't think it's necessary at all um, to live a very successful and happy life. uh, It's really about understanding yourself. Um, So I guess my question is, like, what do you... What would you say to somebody who's really struggling with like, do I or don't I? And should I get this diagnosis? And
0: no, Yeah. And I, I, I feel like it really is, is a personal, it's very personal thing. I, I really don't have anything against, um, per se, someone going out and seeking that, you know, the the medical professional's opinion. But if you have done the research yourself, and you see yourself in you know falling within certain criteria, and you know that the only reason it doesn't show up for others is because you are able to mask it well, then it's okay for you to, even if you don't wanna like you're not the doc, so okay, you don't you don't if you don't need a formal diagnosis, then you can say to yourself, Hey, yep, I definitely have these traits and I wanna learn everything that I can to to every coping skill that i can so that i can deal with the traits that that actually plague me or bother me right and things like that or quite honestly i have to put it most simply if there are things about something about you that you don't like okay then that's worth changing because you want to like you okay that's it and if you if you are it's important to you to hear from medical professional then you know go for it and do that. If you feel like there's something going on with you and you don't get the right answer from a medical professional, then I just urge you, go get a second, third opinion. Because medical professionals aren't, they aren't experts, okay, in all areas. Most of the time, it's just, they have their one key area that they're an expert in. And maybe they might have a couple of things that they specialize in, but sometimes they're missing it in certain other areas, right? So then you find someone who, who you are referred by someone else who knows that they know ADHD well or or autism well or, you know those kind of things or like for like I said for me personally if you can handle just I recognize myself in this I understand that I have traits and I'm gonna work on improving the things that I don't like within this space right but then also celebrating things that you do like. because there are a lot of positive things about some of these disorders, right, too. (laughs) And so a lot of positive aspects, like they give you superpowers in certain areas. Like I'm superpowered at, and I'm very gifted at helping people feel, first of all, understood and validated because I understand their experience so personally well, but then also in helping to heal, you know, when you've been wounded because of how you've been treated out there and including how you treat yourself, by the way. And so, but you know, so, but it that's my superpower and I wouldn't have it if I didn't have the challenge.
1: Yeah. I love that. And yes, like you are not the problem. I feel like, like that was the biggest shift for me right now, you know, in all of this was my self-talk just being like, when, when it feels like something is too much, <laughs> you are not the problem. You have to figure out what is the barrier to get you from point A to point B, um, which, uh has shifted so much in terms of just shifted my marriage. It shifted my, how I parent, you know, um, it's been, it's been whew, overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now I'd like to ask my guests, um, what you, w- if you could rename ADHD to something else that's less problematic and less medicalized or whatever, would you, I know you use traits. So I don't know if you love the, the term vast. Um, but what would you, would you have another name for it if you could?
0: Ooh, for ADHD, huh? Ooh, I like Dfh.
1: Dfh. Okay, what does that stand for?
0: Differently focused humans. Oh, <laughs>
1: perfect! Right. <laughs> it's like that's just the side of the room we're on, right?
0: <laughs> and if you can figure out, you know, what works best for us right? <laughs> to get like to get the best us out of us, then you're in a good space. <laughs> like for my daughter. She can't remember to close her windows in the daytime. <laughs> so what do we do? We get her to the best her. She's not going to remember that on her own. I'm going to teach her to do what mommy does. Calendar everything. Make sure an alarm goes off and it goes off three or four times at the same time. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, find yourself successful. <laughs> I know, right?
1: Yeah,, um, yeah. that's another thing I love talking about, too, which is like how hard we work to come up with accommodations for ourselves, too, in those you know ways in which I have. I have 50 reminders that go off all day long that are, some of them are so basic. Like I have to literally be reminded to feed my children because if yeah. I don't, if I'm not reminded, if I don't have an alert, I will forget they exist. Yeah. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> but at least I'm, I'm, you know, at least I've found the structure that works for me to feed the poor kids. I mean, obviously they'll probably come to me eventually. And But, but like, um, you know, I, I, I love thinking about all of the ways in which we kind of do build these structures for ourselves to, to do well. So, so, um, let's talk about how people can find you and how they can work with you and support you and what kind of services you offer. If uh, somebody's listening and they said, Oh my goodness, I need to work with Lafea. how can they reach out to you? And what do you, what do you do? How do you work with people?
0: Oh, man. Okay. So I have a variety of things that I'm doing right now. I'm actually developing a curriculum who I didn't know that's what I was doing at first until I started. And then it turned into that. Um, (laughs) But I basically have taken um, information from my three uh, published books. And I've now created a, a 12 week curriculum from that for parents but also have a general curriculum too because as i've been moving along like this is just not this is not just for parents people need to know these things to help themselves out you know to work on on, for on the job stuff and you know all that so i have it in general and it's i call it the pep program the parenting program is called the pep program and the um the uh is parents empowering parents and actually I might keep pep for my general and just call it people empowering people. I like pep. It's good. Right? But, uh, but we right. have a lot and, of that. <laughs> and so, ooh, maybe put an extra E in there so we can be peeps. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I like creating stuff. Right. But anyway, um, but yeah, so right now, like right in the middle of kind of building on that curriculum. And it's, I'm talking about it's most excellent. Um, I also have, um, I run QA, what I call Q and A the Lafayette way um, little sessions where people can come in ask questions live I love to answer questions live I love for people to try to stump me come in with your most difficult situations it's my favorite and um, and so I have Q&A with the fairway um, also have my YouTube channel um, lots of parenting education but I'm going to broaden it out I'm going to open it up now to be more general and you can pull from that parenting piece a lot of good information for yourself and others it's not just for children it's relationships in general I call it the way Lefeb- is an advanced relational philosophy. So even though my focus has been with parents, it really, and everybody who reads my books, they know this already. They're like, this is not just for, you know, this is not just for parents. This is for life in general. This helped me with my marriage. This helped me at work. This helped me here, right? And I'm like, I know, but you know, that's like my 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 niche right now. So that's, you know, that's what I say, right? But it's for everything. So I have my YouTube channel, which helps a lot with hypersensitivity, sensitivity, understanding not just what it is, but how you know how to effectively, tangible way, four step four step formula for how to work through and get to a better space, like build the bridges that you want to that behavior that you're looking for, right? And so I have that, and um, you can find everything it is that I do on Laferway.com. Everything's Laferway. LaFailway.com. My website will take you to everything else. My Facebook communities. I'm doing so many different things right now try to spread the word that it's
1: insane. So we <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It is. A, there is a wealth of information on your website too. So yeah, I will put links to all of that, but that's great. There you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the women and ADHD podcast. Also, as you know, we ADHDers crave feedback and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener please take a moment to leave me a review over on my website, womenandadhd.com, or on Apple Podcasts, or Audible, or whatever other platform you're using. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds to give me a five-star rating. Boom, done. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower and they may be struggling and they don't even know why. Make sure to tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at womenandadhd. If you are a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and you'd like to be interviewed as a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. My email is womenandadhdpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about me, head over to worthitwithkatie.com. That's where I help other women with ADHD break free from the yo-yo dieting and binge eating cycle for good. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding that neurodivergence and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then.